All right, we're doing this. Oh, we are on the air. All right, I am Jason, and this is... Jay. We are together known as the... Fantasy Baseball Advocates. And we are here to do a special limited edition show for you guys of the Fantasy Baseball Premier League that's been going on since how long, Jay? Since 2002, this league was... uh, Its inception was 2002. So... Uh, yeah, so we are going to talk about, uh, Fantasy Premier League, this whole edition. And, uh, Fantasy Premier League is formally known as this league, that league, Jake's League, it was called for many years, and and now the Fantasy Premier League, Jake. Oh, okay. Yeah, Jake. Jake is the commissioner. Uh, I mean, I feel like Fantasy Premier League is better than this league or that league. Well, I think we've graduated to the point where this is the Fantasy Premier League. I I feel like it gives it a little bit more professionalism. And it is. I mean, in Jake's league, um, you know, Luke and Jake are the commissioners. Um, You know, I don't don't know what I want to call them now. You know, I mean, I, I feel like Luke was the associate commissioner. I don't I think now he's like a just a full on co commissioner. Um and he does a great job and Luke is our league historian as well and he, he's doing a great job with that. I think he also mostly heads up the uh side pots, you know, um yeah. and, and kinda comes up with interesting side pots for us now that we've been doing for a few years. So the league uh this is a head to head categories league. It is a sixteen team league. Uh, we have eight hitting and eight pitching categories. Uh, in the past, we had seven categories each. Um, now we have eight. Those categories have changed over the years, but now what are we doing? We're doing home runs, RBIs, runs, doubles, average, OPS, hits, and steals. And then for the pitching, wins, strikeouts, ERA, whip, Quality starts, double play balls. Yeah, ground and double Saves play. and holds. I'm sorry for you guys who already know this, but we are, um, again, this is a limited edition show, and if it goes well, we'd like people outside of our league to understand why we're talking about some things we're talking about. Because, as you all know, this league is kind of the kitchen sink. So that being said... I hope you guys take something away from this show. All we're doing is having a little fun. We're so excited for the draft coming up in a couple of weeks. And, you know, if you listen to this in the car, wherever, even if you listen to just part of it, enjoy it. Um, So we're going to dive right in here. Uh, Jay and I have been talking about this for a couple of months. So we're going to touch on a lot of stuff. But if we may hold your attention, we will do a little mock draft towards the end of the show. So um, bear with us, but that's coming. But we'd like to start off by talking with about some historically good drafters. Jay and I have talked about a few people. But since Jay has been a league member longer than I have, I'm going to kind of defer to him on this. Yeah, I've been in this league since 2007. And uh, there is one name that just jumps right to the top of the list when we talk about historically good drafters, and that name is Kicking Dirt. Derek, if I can say, can I say first names? Derek is, you know, if you look at the uh, activity in the league, I mean, Derek is going to finish every year 
one of the lowest on the list in terms of moves uh, and transactions made. But guess who has almost more top three finishes than anybody in this league? It's kicking dirt. And it's because of how it's because of how good he drafts. I mean, we've been talking recently too about like what is how does he evaluate his talent? How does he do this? Does he does he and, and this is something that on a future episode, we need to have kicking dirt on here. We need you know, he, he can tell us what he feels comfortable telling us about his uh, draft secrets. Um Ap- Absolutely. I think that would be a great idea for a future episode. I, too, in my four years in the league, have noticed um, how strong of a drafter Kickender is. Uh, it doesn't usually matter where he's picking from. He's one of the hardest to acquire draft picks from. Uh, no pun intended there because everybody knows I'm always looking to trade. So, <laughs> uh, That being said, it, there was a time, I believe it was... A, it was either 2020 or 2019 where he was in the semifinals and he has made like a total of two or three moves all year. It's insane. And it drove me nuts. I'll be honest. I I kind of got it, but I was like, this doesn't work for this league. And now he didn't win that year, but I think he got second place. And I was shocked at the... Uh, amount of moves that he could have made to just give himself a little bit of an edge. But I would much respect because he really stuck to his his guns, win or lose, and saw his strategy out. So Definitely you can see, I mean, there's a couple things that stand out. I mean, you can see the quality of the pitching that he acquires. He has good bullpen pieces that throughout the season, you know, contribute. To, to him winning, his winning ways. Um, and just to bring up, like, one example of a name on offense, I mean, he is liable to have a guy like Tim Anderson on his team, okay? This is the kind of talent that he seems to acquire, who now Tim Anderson is, what, 27 years old? But I don't know. We're talking like about Tim two Anderson's years ago. 35, but... I don't... He's young. You have to... He's had a lot of injuries, but I think he's 27. I mean, this is it. This is primetime Tim Anderson. Now, Jason and I can go back and forth about this. He's lower on Tim Anderson than, than I am in the rankings. Or so you think. Well, yes. Months ago, that's what you would have led me to believe. So, uh-huh. Yeah, go ahead and put Tim Anderson age in there. This I is going to blow your mind. But while we're talking about that, let's talk about our next good draft. There's one other guy I'd like to touch on. Um it's none other than one of the league's co-founders, Eco Rage himself. Uh, I've noticed, aside from kicking dirt, he's also one of the hardest to acquire draft picks from. He just does not like to give those away. And I, I will go on record and say, I've watched this manager very closely, and he gave me some advice some years ago, probably three or four years ago, about holding those top draft picks, holding on to them like like they are like like they're gold mines because literally I've learned in this league you can acquire anything for the right price, but one of the hardest things to acquire is the superstar face of the franchise players without giving up too much. And the easiest way to do that is to just hold on to your top draft picks and draft them. I'm gonna leave leave my um my uh, 
my commentary off off the table here, but I, I will say that I much respect there, much respect where respect is due. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's any secret. You look at Luke and Jake's. By the you know, way, they have a very sorry, similar. For the record, Tim Anderson is twenty nine. Oh, 29. I'm sorry. Okay, sorry. I misspoke on that one. He's still got a lot of gas in the tank. He to does stay healthy. Um, so Luke and Jake, you know, they, I think they, they both have similar, you know, strategies. They've come from the same, I think, s- school of thought. Um, they have baseball history, you know, um, I think they grew up playing baseball. They can correct me if I'm wrong, but at least to a certain point, but you know, what they do is they're, they're definitely more conservative in terms of their, uh, tr- trading strategies. They tend to wait till closer to the trade deadline, to make big moves and it's for you know partly for the reasons that you just you just laid out i mean and and they they definitely want to make sure that these moves that they make are going to contribute to them actually winning i mean it's you know it it kind of goes back to what you said it's like you can you can acquire something but the question is is it worth it what price did you have to pay and is it worth it and if you end up you know winning or you know getting a top three finish then uh I think we would say that that it is worth it, but I think that that's what they would want to guarantee if they're going to make a big move like that. Luke did make a big move at the end of last season when he acquired Kyle Tucker, a rental player. That, and he's, that being said, I'm he's not really happy glad you right now, brought that up. So approach we'll, the draft. We'll touch on Jay's blushing so bad right now. Well, I did something very similar when we first started trading draft picks in this league. I traded for Bryce Harper right before the trade deadline. And it didn't help me either, so it's a tough. You're bringing up a good point that I want to touch touch on here, though, and that and that's um, when we uh, look at our draft picks, you know, and this is more so not something I want to go too far in depth with today. Kicking but- has a ton of draft picks in this year's draft, by the way. <laughs> we, I, I forgot to. Uh, Guys, I promise you this whole show is not going to be about kicking <laughs> dirt in the Eagle Ridge. But I, I will say this. I'm, I'm glad we highlighted them because when when I've looked at draft picks historically or keepers or players in general, like I, I found it to be very helpful to take everything into consideration. And it's like, am I looking at rankings or am I looking at projections? And oftentimes I'll look at projections and I'm like, you know what? I don't agree with this. And I've come over the years. I've come to realize that projections are really good at projecting, like say, a fiftieth percentile outcome for a player. So if I've learned over the years, if I like a player, then I'm going to take that projection as a floor and feel like I believe they're going to be better, and then I'm going to move that player up my rankings. And you know, I I tend to do that when I I miss on some players and I hit on some players. But I think that's something that we can talk about further in depth in a future episode but it's something to think about is it it does different logic of thought when you're drafting because there's so much to take into consideration but that being said i think i'm in agree with in, in agreement with you there i mean i'll give you two names real quickly just as examples i mean let's look at vladimir guerrero jr who's who's in the draft going into this year's draft okay you look at the projections and i think you got you pretty much you got a safe floor there that that is basically what you can expect from him and maybe more and so i think that people's decision making could it could be on the the 
you know, the way of thinking of what you're describing is that, that he could out he could outdo those projections. But that's, I think, what you can safely expect from him. And so if you've got him higher or lower on your rankings, it's maybe because of that. If you, if you expect him to outdo those projections, hit more RBIs or maybe more home runs than we're looking at at those projections, then wow. He deserves to be in the conversation with your three, four, five, you know, um, guys that we're looking at in this year's draft. For yeah. the record, Jay has the fifth and the seventh pick in this draft. <laughs> and according to some opinions out there, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. should be available around that time in the draft. We'll see. So we will see. Now I'm just gonna I, I'm just gonna put my name right on the tail end of this conversation because I have to say I just have to just put it out there for the Fantasy Premier League that my ability to draft better, because historically I don't think I was good at it at all. I had so much to learn in my first, you know, 10 years in the league, let's say. Let's let's take, you know, 2007 to 2017, and, and that's those are my learning years, my expansion team years, um, and I feel like in a way Damn, I put some of that years behind me. Expansion. It took <laughs> Took a long time, okay. I'm a slow learner. I made a lot of a lot of mistakes over and over again until I figured it out. And I've always had Luke and Jake's mentorship to help me. I give them so much praise and credit for like I consider them like my mentors. But um, I think that my drafting is what is a big part of what led me to my championship season a few years ago. I mean, so I'm gonna put myself right up there in that in that conversation. And to to put one more name in there in terms of, um, and not to make it about myself here, but about uh, rankings and projections. I mean, you know, I got a guy on my keeper list named Jake McCarthy. And this guy, you talk about outperforming projections. I mean, this guy, if he if he plays and hits o- and has over 500 at-bats, I mean, his ability to outdo the projections that are on there now. Jake, I don't think there's any question, actually, in my mind, that he is going to outperform. You those bring up a very good point. If you look at most projections, whether you're looking at fan graphs, he's not ATC, projected to have 500 at bats this season, and he will, my friends. Yeah, that he that's will. the thing. Take those projections with a grain of salt because if you like a player enough to project him for more plate appearances than what they're being projected for, and you also think that there's more value in that person's bat or the pitcher that you like, then. You know, not only are you adding volumes and you're adding, you know, stats into their projections, but you may feel like they're going to do better with the volume that they have. Yeah. So, again, that's another example of why you should take projections with a grain of salt. Um, but that being said, anything else you want to touch on with this, Jay? Yeah, we just had to let the dust settle on a team like the Arizona Diamondbacks. You had to look at, you know... I mean, we were talking about Alec Thomas a couple months ago. Alec Thomas, he's man, not going to play, guys. Man, I'm sorry, I don't, I, I, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but he, he's he's going to probably he's probably going to start the season in the minors and maybe come up in the middle. I don't even know what's going to happen. I don't think there's a a path to playing time in 2023 for him. He's got a real problem in breaking that lineup. I was so frustrated with him. He played like dog shit at the end of the year, you know. Oh Jay, man. Uh, so he's kind of sour, sour grapes with me there. So still time for him to figure it out. That's very true. Let's let's transition on to talking about these divisions. So I want to talk about the divisions, but I also want to say this. 
I really liked having the draft lottery and the division draw before the new year because I feel like it's increased conversation within the league and something we'll touch on in a little bit. There's been some off-season maneuvering going on that yes there has if you haven't been paying attention to the league blotter we're probably not going to know about but good morning that's uh something we'll touch on a little bit later let's talk about these divisions jay do you mind reading them off all right first division we've got backcountry kicking dirt isotopes and pack solid division yeah so what's your what's your first thing that jumps out with this division, I, I feel like this division is the division that there's like no no clear cut winner and no clear cut. Okay, this team's going to be a seller baller. Um, However, Backcountry has put himself in a position. Actually, don't sleep on him because I'll. Well, he's put here, himself in a position to, you know, to win it. I mean, you know, he's he's got. Backcountry back has the opportunity to do what you did last year, come in as the reigning champ, and to just restock his assets and say, the heck with this year, I'm going to rebuild it next year. But Backcountry also has enough of a foundation that he could have one of those teams that hangs middle of the pack most of the year, and if he makes the right move throughout the year, he could still be a playoff team and still have a stacked deck. Next year, you guys will find out more about that when we talk about some of these off-season maneuvers. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, in this league, it should not go without being said that Pack has seven on picks. Are you sleeping on Backcountry right now? Are you sleeping on Backcountry in 2023? I think that's what I heard. I'm not sleeping on him. That's what I'm saying. I'm not sleeping okay, on him. Okay, okay. Just want to clarify. I'm not sleeping on anybody in this league. So but who are his keepers going into 2023? Alex Bregman, Teo Hernandez. Is he is he going to keep Steven Kwan? Uh, Castellanos. No. Sorry. No, Castellanos is not on his Fernando team. Fernando Tatis. It's not on his team. Tatis has been moved. That's right. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, Shane Bieber. Chris Bassett is no longer... I mean, those are good keepers. I just, I, I, I give him, I, I, he's got every chance to compete. Let's put it that way. Let's talk about your team, Jay. You've got seven picks. So, you, so let's talk about what you did. We'll start you here. I don't want to spend too much time about this, but you won the league in 2021. Congratulations. You dumb fuck. You took it from me. Fourth place finish in the year before that. So... In case, sorry, it's a little sour grip carpet there. Jay and I talk a lot throughout the years, and uh, that that year is, is still sour. You went there. all in. Because I, I in. went all in. and you did well. And I mean, um, he he uh, came on like, like a ball fire towards the end and took the division from me and was unstoppable in the I mean, playoffs. You, you, you did the playbook that we all, that many of us are playing out now. Which you know, many of us are kind of emulating in a way. I think you were pretty much the first one to do it, and you basically perfected it in terms of you're giving up a first round pick for one year of a first round player. You did that for Mike Trout, um, and now we see people in the league doing this over and over for you know, let's get a year, a full season, 
of Julio Rodriguez. That's what you want. You want the whole season. You want to come out of the gate winning. You want to give yourself every opportunity. I always said I commended you for it. I thought it was smart. It just didn't pan out in terms of injuries and, and everything else. And, um, you know, well, every, obviously a lot of things have to go right and you have to be doing well come playoff time. We'll um, see how it goes this so year. So I have basically, <laughs> I have kind of branded my, my rebuild. I, I'm calling it more of a reset now. It's, it's a reset. So in case you slept on last year. Jay won the league in 2021 and then turned around and had this realization probably in, what, four or five weeks in? Oh, my gosh. That 2023 draft class is so amazing. If I just... It's probably before that. I, I hate to use the word tank, but come on, Jay. You really kind of mailed it in there for draft picks. I don't think I realized how how bad it was going to get. I mean, I I don't know, you know. Jay has seven picks in the first two rounds. We're here looking at picks five, seven in the first round, and then 17, 18, 21, 22, and 26 in you the second round. You have that memorized so well. <laughs> I've done my homework. That being said, we're looking at these divisions. So those are some teams, obviously, isotopes too. I, I will say this about him. He had a great season last year. Much respect to this guy and knowing how to build a bullpen. Uh, that bullpen he had last year was making me drool. Um, but I, I want to kind of get through the, get through these divisions so we can get to the meat and the bones of the show, which is the mock draft they want to see. So let's let's touch on real quick. So here's here's why mine is a reset. If you look at my rankings of everybody that I stand to acquire and that I have already, I basically have a pick in each round from first all the way to. You know, twenty fifth, twenty sixth. However, the quality of player you're going to get is much better than had you done. Yeah, I would say in the round. front, it's it's slightly front loaded. I mean, you're looking at there should be a lot of top hundred players there, and you know, my keepers essentially, as you said months ago, you 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 said it well. My keepers are not my keepers; they are my round eight through you know fifteen, sixteen round pick. Yeah, that's that's essentially absolutely. how I how it's laid out. So so when Jay blushes and talks about Jake McCarthy. Don't think Jay, Jay would draft Jake McCarthy as a top two or three round draft pick. So no, isotopes. Jake McCarthy for Jay is more like a round nine, ten player. So maybe do I not want to go on forever about who the Arrow's keepers are in this division? Maybe we should save that for another conversation. But isotopes. I mean, let's just lay it out a little bit, okay? He's going to be keeping five pitchers and three hitters, okay? And he's got Contreras. Uh, he's got Jose Altuve. And he's got uh, who, who's the other kicker? Well, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to keep Bryce Harper. He's gonna have to wait <clears throat> for Bryce Harper. So he's got a lot of hitting that he needs to get. So, but he's got uh, Spencer Strider, Edwin Diaz, uh, Munoz, possibly Drew Rasmussen might be his last keeper. And then who's the fifth? What am I looking at here? You were looking at your phone, Jay. Yes. Who did I not mention? Strider, Munoz, Diaz, Class A, Emmanuel Class A. I'm so sorry, guys. Yeah, see, I told you. And I, I want to say, so here you've got Kick and Dirt in the same division. Their keepers look a lot alike. You've got Kick and Dirt, who's probably going to be keeping five pitchers, and they're very good. I mean, he, he, he traded for Ryan Helsley, which is 
<clears throat> a lot like what I did acquiring Jordan Romano. Although I'll say, um, you know, I really like the price of what I what I was able to acquire uh, Jordan Romano for. I gave Jake <clears throat> Michael Conforto, who's an NA player going into the season, basically gives Jake the advantage of what I gave up was the advantage of. It's almost like an additional keeper, right, going into the season. So, um. You know what? Those are Jay, some strong pitchers, man. Jay, while you're talking about Isotopes team, like he's got strong pitchers, but he has not much in terms of hitting that. Because he can keep Altuve, Schwarber's in the draft, Marte's in the draft, he'll probably keep Wilson Contreras, yeah. but Longo's in the draft, and he'll probably keep Bryce Harper. Uh, yeah. yeah, and like you said, Bryce Harper's probably going to be out until July, August. So, um it's tough. Yeah, I mean, he's got tough. a lot of he's work to do. He's gonna have to, to stock up on hitting in the draft, but we'll see. Uh, guys, forgive us. If we go a little long on some of this stuff. Well, you know, um, we're we're used to getting off on tangents conversation. We're trying to keep this uh, honing in. So talking about, <laughs> so we don't have for the record a projected winner for for the first first division. And you know, I I will say I gave Luke a little heat in the chat about a month ago when he projected some winners. Um because I honestly each team, you know, you can project their keepers on only like a third of their roster. So we'll see what the draft holds for some of these. Man, but don't forget kicking dirt is low. Division two. Draft. So we're looking at Birdlaw, Shirtless, Pokes and Paleskin. Okay. I, I'm just going to go on record to say this is bird loss division. And no disrespect to Sherlock's Pokes or Paleskins because I'm sure they can have a wonderful draft and get there. But my gosh, what bird law has done with some of this stuff in the last three years. Okay, so he wins the league in 2020, correct? Yes. Um, he has top shelf talent. A lack of draft capital in the middle, but okay, uh, uh, we've teased a little. I've got to, I've got to catch you guys up on this. If nobody followed the league blotter, like basically lay it out for him through Jason. through a range of moves. I've acquired Julio Rodriguez as a one year keeper, as a, not a, a keeper, a one year player, post set to happen post draft. By giving him my first and fourth round picks for next year, as well as <laughs> Nick Castellanos and James Wood. That oh, being said, it. uh again, lots of moving pieces here. We're moving out. We don't have enough time to dissect every single move I've made nor other people have made, but this is the gist of it. The same day, Birdlaw turns on and takes my first round pick for next year, flips it to bat country. For Fernando Tatis. And in his possession right now is Julio Rodriguez, Fernando Tatis, Freddie Freeman, and Raphael Devers. Oh, not to say Corbin Carroll's down the line, too. So, now, again, Julio Rodriguez comes to me, but he can use Julio to protect other players, such as... Fernando Tatis Jr. So through a, through some shrewd moves, he's acquired two years Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, he's done well. With only giving up one year of Julio Rodriguez. Yeah. Now that being said, 
you know, the three of us, we still all feel like, you know, it's to be determined, but we all feel like these are win-win moves for all of us because it helps all of our teams. Um, a lot of people would be like, backcountry, why did you do that? I don't know. Maybe it's because he won the league last year and he's not, I, I don't want to say he's not as hungry, but I think he realizes that he gets that first round pick and he can turn around and load up next year and just try to compete this year. Uh, well, and I think that's some of the some of the, you know, sadness that you you hear expressed from, you know, the commissioner. I mean, put yourself in the commissioner's, you know, shoes for a minute. You know, it's it's hard to see these preseason trades and have somebody making these big moves um before week one. You know, I think it's, you know, it always brings up the question of, you know, why are you not are you not competing for this year? And, uh, you know, nobody wants to see a bunch of people tanking or whatever. But that's this isn't tanking. I mean, we're not talking about tanking. We're talking about – and I agree with you. Um, these are – I think they are kind of like, you know, potential win-win moves. I think they're, they're not one-sided in any clear-cut way. So Division three, Jay, who you got there? We got Eagle Ridge, Imperial, Hitman, and Funked Up. Yeah. Yeah, Hitman. You you got Hitman who um, has a bunch of keepers right now. More keepers than he can keep, I would say, um, in terms of our eight keeper, you know, uh, format. You've got uh, Funked Up who has got some pretty good keepers coming into this next season. So, so I'm glad you brought this up because the keeper deadline for those of you who don't know is coming up this weekend. I believe it's 11.59 p.m. Saturday evening, Eastern Standard so. Time, somewhere around there. Just as a gentle reminder to everybody, get your keepers in. Uh, that being said, there's some interesting cuts that I think are going to be made by a Hitman and Funked Up. Um, Funked Up, he has a lot of catchers. <laughs> Yes, he does. So, Jay, Jay, let's let's go through this. Like, okay, you've got Adley Rushman, definitely he, a keeper. Yeah, you can't you can't let that go. Uh, you've got Sean Murphy. Uh, a lot of people are going to be high on this guy coming into this season. Although, do we know what is his what is his playing time situation with uh, Travis Darno? Are they gonna Are they gonna both DH? Are they gonna How's that gonna work? Going into the season, how many at bats are these guys going to get? I there think, are questions, I think, with Sean Murphy, but I think we all know the guy's a good hitter. He's a talented hitter. He's he's in a great position now. He's you know he's traded to a winning ball club, uh, and then you've got Alejandro Kirk, <sighs> big beefy baseball boy. Man, he's that's, a young guy too. With uh, that's a from, sorry, I, I have to. I don't want to copyright that from somebody else. I got that reference from the CBS Fantasy Baseball Today show. They always say that I'm not coining big beefy baseball boy. That's I mean, let's been. not forget what the Blue Jays have done in the off season, right? They've traded Gabriel Moreno. They have brought in Dalton Varsho, who, you know, where is he going to play the majority of the time? I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'd have to sit sit down and look at that one. But, you know, let's not forget that they, they traded Gabriel Moreno. They got Kirk, who can catch, but he's probably going to spend a lot of days hitting DH. And we know that, I mean, Kirk is – I traded Kirk last season. You know, I got some feedback from Luke. Just Luke was like, hey, man. And he made a great point. He was like, you know, Kirk would be, like, untradeable for me right now. 
the guy's a keeper. He's in our league. He is a he's a solid keeper. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you with a, a couple more names in there. You know, if he goes into the draft, I'm looking at pick 26. I'm looking at guys who are ADP somewhere from like 90 to, you know, I can't go past 115, 120. I'm reaching beyond that point. But for me, Alejandro Kirk is, is in that conversation. Did you get a second round pick for him? Yes, I did. I traded him to Joel, and I ended up getting a second round pick in the in the deal. Joel and I had a couple trades, so I'm trying to remember what all was involved because we have we had lots of trade talks. We ended up trading. I ended up trading. Uh, there we 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 uh, dealt in uh, Devin Williams, Alejandro Kirk, and I do have Joel's second round pick going. So this I'd year. say you did pretty good because like. Well, that yeah, that's the way keeper. I look at it. Right. You know, if, so if, I may be trading up a round in terms of player value ADP there. For those of you who don't round. look at it this way, I always look at our draft like this because you can't prepare it because the 16 team league that with 16 categories, like you, you just can't consume enough material to prepare for this draft. So I look at it like this: keepers going into the draft, like. Yes, we keep 10, but two of those are minor league players. So if you look 8 times 16, you're looking at 128 players there. Right. Okay. So essentially sprinkled into that 128, you got premium talent from the unkeepables in the first two rounds. Starting around round three, you're looking at players whose value should be past 128. And if you look at Kirk... He's looking at he's, he's in right that there. Range. He's right there. So you in essentially instead of keeping him, got a pick in that range, which might be more security because depending on how you feel, like how many years has he done that? He's done it one year. So right. is he truly like is that his ceiling? Is floor? I got I guess opinions are going to vary. But yeah. To keep this going, I, I, I think, you know, you've got to look at... Well, he's definitely going to keep his batting average up because he's a very talented hitter. But beyond that, yes, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what we're going to get in terms of counting stats and everything else. Where is he going to hit in that lineup, in that star-studded lineup? These are questions. Jay, is this a possibility at pick 26 if funked up draw, uh, cuts Alejandro Kirk that you might be picking... Kirk up at pick 26. And then this whole conversation him. is a moot point. I have to consider him, but I, I don't, I, I'm going to say there's a less than 50% chance, okay? It's, you look at who else is there and you can't pass up on some of those guys. So for Other the record, players. pick 26, Jay needs a catcher, Jay's picking out. Well, I do need a catcher. Oh, Okay. Let's talk about some other teams that have some interesting. Uh, so, have we covered this division? Like, we, let's in detail. Let's say. Let, let me just say about Italian Hitman. Okay. Thank Yeah. Things didn't pan out for him last year. He had tons of draft picks last year. He got some great players that he gets to go into this season with. So, I mean, I think again, I think it. You know, it was. We all felt like it was kind of his playoff berth to to lose kind of thing, and um, you know, I mean. I, there was probably some ups and downs last year, but he's going into this season with more keepers than he can keep. So obviously his keepers are good. Um, draft picks. So he doesn't have a second round draft pick. He doesn't have a seventh round draft pick, but he has two fours, two sixes. So he's in a pretty good position going into the draft besides not having that second round draft pick. You know, 
this division, any division that has the Funkhauser, it's got every chance it, to compete. Yeah, I. I got to say, okay, historically speaking, again, we're not predicting division winners on this show. No. We're just not going to do that. No. But this division looks like it's going to be the Funkhausers with maybe Hitman if he can, if he, if he hits right. And then Funked Up is going to have a long road ahead of him if he wants to be competitive in this division. Um, moving on to the fourth division. This one's interesting because we have Cajun, who had a really good year last year. Yeah, he Cajun. Was a playoff team. Historically, Cajun was part of the league. He took a few year hiatus, and now he's back. Uh, was last year's first year back? I think it was a couple of years. Was ago. it a couple years ago? Yeah. yeah so there, maybe yeah. there was one year before that. Um, but he's got himself some really good keepers now going into the season. Goldschmidt, Arenado, Correa, yeah. Zach Gallon, uh, Christian Yelich. Chris Neonich. Tack, tack that on the end of that list. Yeah. Um, solid team. Yeah, it is. Um, he's another guy who, you know, really, I think he's he sort of got more keepers than what he can keep. I mean, he's got – you got Brandon Lowe, who is probably going to go into the draft, but Brandon Lowe is a solid top 150 pick. You know, I, I'm real. I'm, you say wanna, that right, though. He I, is a wanna, top 150 player, but a top 150 player. I mean, I'm, I'm worried about the back injury, guys. Okay, I'm going to give you. I'm a, I, sh- I'm, I shouldn't say this for you guys that were getting ready to draft him, you know, ahead of 150, but I, I'm just going to put it out there. I don't like the nature of his injury that, that he that hurt him last year. Um, and his ability to, to be durable and stay healthy and everything. So, I mean, that's there's my concern there. I'll give you one of my draft secrets there. Otherwise, I would have been all over Brandon Lowe, man. What In case a, you guys didn't know, this whole podcast. Power bad at second base, man. Jay's real, gonna, real power. Jay's going to drive you nuts. You're going to think he loves a player that he doesn't like a player. Don't fall I do for love it. Brandon Just Lowe. read between the lines. But he's. I'm not going to be able to probably draft him this season. Um. Other other teams in this division, we got Stitches, myself, and then uh, Redbird Nation. So, okay, so I'll, I'll go on record and say I think any of the four of us teams could win this division. And it's going to be very interesting to see the way our teams shake up because obviously Stitches and I like to – construct the rosters a little bit differently than Cajun does. And then Redbird is still kind of an unknown. This is his third year in the league. I feel like he's got potential to do better, and he's done relatively well for, for what he's had coming into the league. Um, he's got a lot he, of young talent on his does. hands right now. He guys. does. He does. He does. So, so now that, and in the future. So again... I would not sleep. The fantasy baseball advocates are advocating <laughs> for don't people to not on sleep on Redbird. Yeah. And the Vision 4. Um, okay, so we'll see how those divisions shake out, how they look post draft, and how they he shake is, out. Redbird essentially has more keepers than what he can keep, too, if you're looking at projecting out into the future. Look at all these young guys Andrew Vaughn, Jeremy Pena, Tyler O'Neill, Ian Rosarena. Rosarena. Ian Happ. Ian Happ. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to call Ian Happ polarizing, but there's going to be people that are going to be high on Ian Happ 
and there's going to be people who are going to fall on the other end of it, right? Any show or podcast I've listened How to. How much better has the team around Ian Hap gotten? Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole um, different picture. I feel like Ian Hap is very comparable to Alex Verdugo in the sense that a lot of experts in the industry do not like them because they feel like, for matter of speaking, they feel like they're very vanilla players. Well, we've always wanted to believe that Ian Hap had power potential. But mm-hmm. how much does he really have? I mean, he stage? hit over 20 home runs last yeah. year. Yeah. And, you know, Speed and power average, mix, right? Yeah. His average has kind of been Jekyll and Hyde. He was like, two, I believe, 245 two years ago and 271 last year. Correct me if I'm wrong, but something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, but I'm, I'm I, bringing I, Verdugo into this conversation, too, because I feel like these are two examples of players. And, yes, for the record... I do like both of these players. But well, I feel like these for players... Because they're both going to be in this year's draft, probably. Yes. Likely. Redford Likely. could keep happen. Yeah. Um, but both these players, I'm using them as examples because for our league purposes, 16 teams, where do we shoot for upside and where do we need that safety and security of that floor? If you shoot for too much upside, you're not going to... Usually when you shoot for upside, the percentage of you hitting... Is less than 50%. So if you're shooting for upside the whole draft, chances are your team's going to bomb. you got to have a balance. And I love these two players because in our league, they give that safety and security of they're always going to play. They're going to get the volume. They're going to hit in good spots in their lineups. Mm -hmm. And they can contribute just a little bit more than they have. Uh, which in our league, that's very valuable. Oh man! And then you can shoot for upside in other places. This is where I get sad about going into this year because this is where I don't I don't have a round three, four, or five pick. Okay, and, they, and these are the guys that you're talking about right now. These are the upside guys. Some of the upside guys. We can't call we can't them call them sleepers, guys. but. They you're talking are. about a guy who a you're, people you're, are you're picking in the 150 to 175 range, but you're looking for a guy who could be a top 100 player. That's what I'm thinking about with these guys. So what what names do you have on your list as far as upside guys? Oh, gosh. A lot. So, I got two oh, names. Okay. Upside guys. Which part of the draft are we talking? Are we talking early, middle, late? I'm talking early, middle. I'm talking. So you're, you're talking. You're making, th- these are really more. They're really more safe picks. But you are looking for a top hundred player, and you are drafting in the 150 to 200 range. Really, you're you're more. They're really higher than that. But based on the um, the uh, settings of our league, let's go, you know the makeup of our league, you're you're getting an opportunity to draft them. Around that 150 range. So here's a name for you that popped up recently, and this is going to make some people want to throw up. But last I checked, Jared Kelnick just hit four monstrous home runs in the last week plus of spring training. Now I know, dude still can't hit a breaking ball to save his life. But if he's done anything, we almost follow anything to change his mechanics to a swing. This guy's got. Top 100. This guy got top 50 potential. So if you want to shoot for upside late in the draft, that's a good way to start. Yeah. Yeah. So so you you got another name? 
I can come up with a lot of them, but it sounds like you've you, got some players you well, want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, so one of them, I mean, I was going to say CJ Crone, okay, who has been, you know, now he's going to be kept, though. So we're not, this isn't somebody who's probably going to be available in our draft. I think Jeff is, uh, Stitches is, is, uh, has acquired him and is, is going to keep him. Uh, but I'll give you a name right now, and I'm just going to tell you. I mean, now that <clears throat> the dust is kind of settled because I, I'm done. Um, I'm done making trades before the keeper deadline most likely. But I'll tell you a name that I that kept coming up is Hunter Renfro because, I, you know, I wanted to – part of me wanted to acquire him from Jake, okay. But for me to do that, I am I am sifting and weighing between – Hunter Renfro and a lot of guys who are drafted around the same range, and I just had to, I just had to hold on to what I have, hope for the best, and I can't give up a lot for him. Jay, I'm really glad you brought up Hunter Renfro because I want you to explain to the listener something. I believe you made a decision and you traded a pick to me, a middle round pick from Ryan Mountcastle, mm-hmm. as opposed yeah, I traded to a trading late seventh round pick. For Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah, as opposed to, which I'm sure the offer on the table, you could have gotten Hunter Renfro, but it would have probably cost you more, correct? Probably. So can you maybe just run run us through, like, <sighs> well, why yeah. you made that decision? I mean, off-season moves. I mean, yeah, so what? What I, I talked about the Jordan Romano thing, which, you know, look at a team like Kickin' Dirt. He got Ryan Helsley to be one of his keepers. I think what I did was kind of similar. I mean, these are guys that are ranked in the top 100, but they were a little easier to acquire. Um, But yeah, so I traded you my, it's like the one of the last two picks in the seventh round for Ryan Mountcastle. Um, I mean, if you want to compare those two guys, you got Ryan Mountcastle, uh, who let's say maybe hasn't lived up to all of his potential or hasn't realized his potential, let's say. He's young. He's younger than Hunter Renfro. Um, but, you know, and so I'm okay with that, and I'm okay with keeping uh, Ryan Mountcastle over some of the other guys that I could have kept who maybe fall right below that range in terms of ADP. Um, so that's what I did. That's how I constructed my eight keepers. I added Ryan Mountcastle to the list. Um, hoping for some upside. He's another upside guy. You're, you're want, he, he's projected to hit 20 to 25 home runs, 20 to 25 doubles, and have a middling batting average. But, you know, you look at Mountcastle, the guy's got potential for lots of multi-hit games. He has lots of multi-hit games. He gets on fire daily, you know, if he's going to have a game like that. So the guy's got potential for... So it sounds like you hold Ryan Mountcastle... And a similar tier that you would hold Hunter Renfro. Yeah, different positions, so, so it's hard so. to compare. And in, in my mind, Renfro, he hasn't really gotten a fair shake in terms of what we could expect him to do in a whole okay. season. I, I got his injuries. Here. We got to talk about Angel's lineup, man. It's <sighs> Anthony Rendon. Here's another sleeper for you guys. Anthony Rendon, yeah, back from sleeper. the dead. What's dead may never die. <laughs> Batting cleanup. Behind Taylor Ward, Shohei Otani, and Mike Trout. Or Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. And who hits right after that? Hunter Renfro. Yeah. RBI I, opportunities I, are going to be... The problem with them is they play in that division. God, you've got the Astros and the Mariners who look like surefire playoff team. And then the Rangers 
have been spending money like crazy the last two years. Oh, man. They're, I feel like they're right on the same level playing field as the Angels. It's going to be really hard Have they done enough? Them. They've got the best chance that they have what. had, right? Have, have they done enough? Do they have the pitching? The Angels? Yeah. I think they've got better pitching. It just depends on... It's getting better. Does Patrick Sandoval look like his 2021 self? Which he wasn't bad last year. He wasn't. No. But he wasn't his 2021 self. Mainly, I would, I would listen to a podcast. something whip? I mean, it, what's It goes going like on this. There? This isn't coming from me, guys. It was listening to a podcast. His changeup was worse last year than it was two years ago, but it was still really elite. So the fastball so is... He had, how the fastball is, is very hittable. It's his changeup slider okay. that gets him. So he threw his slider... 12% more than he did in 2021. But it wasn't last a great year. pitch. Well, no, his slider was elite. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. You're talking I'm, about the changeup? The, the point is, the changeup, which was more elite two years ago, wasn't as good last year, but it was still elite. So he threw his slider more, which is a very good pitch, to overcompensate, and I don't think he was... Um, Hitting the right pitch mix and adjustment. Okay. I.e., I think Patrick Sandoval is another sleeper. Uh, but that being said, no, his fastball is very hittable. Just, if, if he, guys, I, I gotta say, a lot of these disinformation I'm getting on pitchers come via pitcher list, Nick Pollock. I, I consume so much of, of that um, source for, for a lot of my preferential pitching thoughts. I will also um, take you guys to the CBS Fantasy Today show podcast for a lot of the hitting stuff. Yeah. I like Scott White. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of other guys in the industry that I lean towards, but those guys, I really do pay close attention to what they say in respect to hitters and pitchers. Now, I will say this. One more. On Pitcher List, um, they have Scott Chu, who covers all their hitting, and I feel like he has some really good perspective on hitting too. So, but this is getting beside beyond the point. Well, it's hard to call Sandoval a sleeper when Jeff was talking about keeping him. But I agree with you. <laughs> he is in that territory. He's in sleeper territory. Yes. In terms of what he could accomplish. Okay, so I think we build ourselves to the cream of the shell. Are you ready to mock this first? We're only going to do the first round. Is this at the end? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to do the first one. So let's do it like this. Um, Jay and I don't want to put ourselves in awkward positions. So so I'm going to take the odds and Jay's going to take the evens. However, I have a second pick at pick 15, which is odd. And I'm, it wouldn't be fair for me to either tip my cap or throw a bluff. So I'm going to let Jay cover that pick. Um, and then in turn, I'll cover Stitch's pick at 16. So let's 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 start let's start with the top here. Uh, Red, I can show you my rankings. So no, my, you can't. Um, I got some names highlighted on here. Yeah. So Redbird's at the top, and I mean he said it already. I've asked him. I I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I think he realizes the dearth of outfield elite outfielders drops off after about thirty names. He's going to take Acuna number one. That's that's my. For the record, guys, these are all predictions. This is a mock draft. Mock draft 1.0. Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that I think you're right. And uh, you you got a little inside information there, but I think you're right. Um, so here we are. It's pick two. I'm uh, Italian hitman, and I'm looking at Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Kyle Tucker. Black Guerrero Jr. And I'm going to put another name in here, and I think that it's not going to happen. But I think the Hitman has a little bit of a history with Garrett Cole. I think that I think there's a draw there for him, but I, I, I don't think that he's going to reach for Garrett Cole. I think he's going to make the the reasonable pick here, and that's to go ahead and take Trey Turner off the board. So okay. Trey Turner's off the board. <clears throat> All right. So that that takes us to pick three, and we're looking at stitches. So I, I, I I'm gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna sugarcoat this. I, I really think stitches is looking at two players. Here. I think he's looking at Kyle Tucker and Juan Soto. I'm trying to keep this simple. This sure, he can he look already at told Garibol. us that Vlad is is off the board or he's well, not in the running anymore. That's, yeah, but that, that's until uh, that's until he sees Vlad hit a moonshot this coming week, and all of a sudden he's back in the conversation. Yeah, um, but he. I will say that Stitch has acquired CJ Crone from me for a compensatory twenty twenty four round three pick that's going to be coming my way okay. post draft. So I will say yes. You're probably right. I don't think Stitches will be taking blood. I think Stitches is going to take Kyle Tucker because I think look at what Stitches did last year. I know this was a bust, and he didn't intend for this to happen, but the, the Duke took Mondesi at the end of the first round. I'm sorry, Jeff. This is not a slight to you, but we know you like some badass speed with your power, so that's why I'm leaning Kyle Tucker kind of over part of Soto because I think he's more of the complete package. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we all know you know, what we're looking at with 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 Juan Soto in terms of, you know, I mean, the guy's 24 years old, okay? We he's been he's been producing since he was 19 in in the MLB. It's 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 a crazy situation. Okay, so Kyle Tucker's off the board. Yes. It's pick 4. I am shirtless around Gant. And uh so what am I looking at here? I got Juan Soto, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I don't think we're going beyond here. I don't think he's taking a pitcher here. I think it's too early, and you've got those two names to choose from. Um, I, I'm saying that he's we're taking Juan Soto, and, and Juan Soto's going off the board. You seem kind of depressed by that, Jay. Well, that's because I'm picking next, and it's it's hard. I mean, it's, you know, whoever falls to me, more than likely, that's who's going to get picked. But, you know, it's 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 hard. I mean, it's... It's just the the possibility of Juan Soto going out the window. It's it is sad. It's hard to deal with. It's hard to take. So we come to pick five, and Jay's first of two picks. Guys, just just for the record, Jay and I've gone back and forth in the last couple of months because I'm sandwiched right in between two picks of his. We're five, six, seven. So uh, we've kind of teased at each other for a while about what we're going to do, but. I've read between the lines of what we said, and I'm going to go up on a limb, and that's the first time I've said this, and I think it might catch some people by surprise. But I think Jay pulls the big shocker of the first round, and he takes Shohei Otani at fifth overall. And the reason I think he's doing that is because I don't think that Jay wants to give up a player who, okay, Granted, this could be a 99th percentile outcome, but who else 
has the potential to hit 50 bombs and steal 20 bases. I don't know that there's anybody else. And I'm not trying to sell Tatis short at full health. I'm not trying to sell Acuna short. Yeah, I think it's Otani. Oh, man. And if, are, if I'm weighing on your opinion, so be it. This well, is things a are playing out and differently than, than, we did, than the last time we did this. And it's some of it's probably because of what was said. We, I mean, we've talked about a lot of these guys in, in, in depth, um, you know, and why we're higher or lower on them. But Because I said that I did not think that you would let him go if he falls to six. I, I don't if think he if falls he six. falls to six. I don't think you can do that. I, I think when you're picking between him, Manny Machado, and Corbin Burns, I think that you realize that potential and you, you could not pass on the opportunity for a Shohei Otani, a guy who's in his prime. We're talking about Shohei Otani's prime as yes. a hitter. Okay, so he's off the board. So, <clears throat> uh, wow. So here it is. It's pick six. And I am Jason, and I'm picking. So, so we got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on the board. We got Manny Machado. We got Corbin Burns. We got Garrett Cole on the board. Boba Shett and Austin Riley, who I think come after. So, I mean, wow. I mean, I don't. I think you've made it easy and clear cut here. And I, you know, I, I guess I won't beat around the bush too much. I think you take Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I mean, I. I don't see a situation where you can pick Manny Machado over him. I think if you're desperate for pitching, this could be a time. I mean, for many people, they're going to say it's too early. I don't know, but I, I think you take Vladimir Guerrero Jr. here if he falls to you at six. Okay. Okay. If that outcome happened, I'd be happy. Again, we've talked about this before. You so. can't get any better, yeah. and you, I don't think you can reach for Manny Machado. I know you like Machado, so do I. So, but. for the record, Jake, as you try to trade up, which you may or may not do, but I know you, you bantered around with the idea. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will not make it past six. I've talked more about trading down at, than I have trading up after after much thought, but I don't think either one's going to happen, but... Okay, so is it my pick at pick seven? I mean, it's, it's yeah. my my pick. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is me. This is me picking at pick seven. So it's and a little I, awkward. I'm going to call this for you because I'm taking the odds. So, so again, uh, for those of you who don't know and can't see, I think I blew Joe's mind with that. And if you can see my thing. rankings, I don't care if you I, look, I can because see your it rankings. doesn't because it doesn't. You, I could go either way. Yeah, bro, you don't I know. know. You, you could have done I've that to set you, me up. I've made my case for Corbin Burns. I mean, we we've got we've uh, debated about this. I'm I'm higher on Corbin Burns than I am Garrett Cole for several reasons. You know, age being one of them. Okay, so you're picking for me. Who am I taking at seven? You're taking Manny Machado, best player available. Simple, lockdown third base. I would argue that Manny Machado has the safest floor of any pick in the first round um so you started your draft off with two elite hitters which has got to make you happy um i know you've talked Definitely. about taking a picture there it is a possibility corbin burns goes there or garrett cole i know you say you like corbin burns over him you could change your mind i could i could change um, my mind but i, I think ultimately you're gonna wind up with machado so, 
Who's Cajun taking at eight? Okay, so I'm looking at, he's picking at eight here, and we're looking at Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole, Boba Shed, Austin Riley. I think it's I think it's at this point it's pretty clear cut. If you have a preference between Garrett Cole and Corbin Burns, you might be picking between those two here. I think he goes with Corbin Burns. I think he goes with the highest ranked player right here. I don't think he reaches for a hitter because again, he's going in the season with five hitters. So I, I don't think there's really a reason for him to do that, to reach for a guy like Austin Riley who um so, Corbin Burns, off the board. Okay, all right. So, first pitcher's gone. So, now we've come to that guy kicking dirt, making a pick here at nine. Um, he's going to do what kicking dirt always does. He's going to take the best player available. I think, okay, you've got a great option between two players here. You're looking at Bo Bichette and Austin Riley. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Um, I think so. I, I don't should have done my homework to look what at is it that makes keepers. me think what is it that makes me think that well he's got five pitchers and three hitters and um he's got some pretty good pitchers going into it so i don't i don't see him taking Garrett cole i i, I don't either I, I don't think that he's i don't think he's the right type of player for kicking dirt so um, he's got michael harris christian walker jonathan india his, his hitter keepers will probably stop there it does it does. And then I don't think he's taking a pitcher either because he's got more pitching depth. Kicking dirt, I don't want to tell your secrets, man. I'm sorry. But I I think he's going to take Bobby Shot. I think kicking dirt takes Bobby Shot. I can see him taking Austin right Riley. type of player for kicking dirt. I think you're Well, right. he, he's, he's five-category player. Riley's not going to steal bases. No. Um, and I think if Bichette has... A better start this year this year than he did last year. He could definitely hit for a really high average, which I know is very valuable to kick and dirt. So kick and dirt takes Bobichet at nine. I think Bobichet's ability to get on base is going to be incredibly valuable for the Blue Jays. Yes. Right. I mean, he can't go up there with an attitude of it's like the guy's got to get on base sometimes. He's got to take pitch. He's got to. He's got to be patient. You know, he can't be striking out all the time. Okay, so what we're we're at pick ten. Yeah, it's funked Man, up. You've got to be thrilled right now if you're <laughs> funked up, and you, and you've got Garrett Cole has fallen. You got Austin Riley sitting there. Jacob Degrom is next, and you can't take Degrom over one of these two guys. So you're you picking think between. He them. would be the guy to take Degrom. No, I I don't think so. I no, I, I'm just glad you said that because I feel like I wouldn't touch Degrom with a first round pick. With his injury history, but that's just me. And we're already talking about injuries with Jacob Degrom. Should we shoot for an hour and fifteen? That's safe. So we, I, I don't. I agree with you, but I think that we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that right in just a couple picks because yes. you, you've got to you got to gauge your comfort level here. With can you can you afford to wait on a guy like that if he has to sit out if he gets hurt? So, you know, no, I don't see him. I see him as a whole nother tier beyond these two guys. So you're picking between Austin Riley and Garrett Cole. Um, I'm going to say he goes with Garrett Cole. I'm going to say he goes with the highest ranked player right now and doesn't miss out on that opportunity to, for a for a top-tier pitcher. Okay. Yeah, so now that's I, having not 
gone back and kind of interrogated again who his hitting keepers are. So, so I do think that's the let's right Let's look pick at it. Let's him. look at it real quick because it's worth diving into a little bit here. Sorry, guys. Because we, I think we kind of kind of glazed over who his keepers are. We got into his catchers. So you got Rushman, you got uh, O'Neill Cruz, you got uh, Max Spotsy, very valuable. You know, there's a huge yeah, shelf off a of third base down this year, year, second, third. Yeah, I mean, terrible season last year in terms of batting average. We, I think, we all know who follow fantasy, like what he's capable of, and that I think for the most part he's got the ability to get back there. I don't, I don't know if I can say what exactly is going on there with the he's lefty, right? With the, yeah. with the left-handed hitting Max Muncy, I don't know what's going on. Jay, I don't know got, how to interpret last season, really. He's got Woodruff. We know that he did Shohei well Ohtani. later in the season. The beginning of the year was not good, and he got better. Am I right? So, he did. Jay, I have to ask. When I look at his keepers, he Ohtani, has Woodruff, Shohei Otani, and then Kershaw and Sale. You're right. Does he take a pitcher or does he take a hitter? Because... I think you're right. I, I'm not trying to, to be right. No, no. I'm, I'm just trying to paint a realistic picture. Yeah. I think he. I think if he's looking at Riley. the makeup of his team, I think he's going Austin Riley. Which sucks for Jake. Because <laughs> I know Jake wants a hitter at 11. I think that... We, we, Jake has had a taste of Austin Riley. He knows how good Austin Riley is. I know how good Austin Riley is. I, I'm going to be honest, before these rankings kind of shook out, I mean, and I told him this. I said, you know, we're, <laughs> we talked about pick seven. And Jake says to me, I, I told him about, you know, me looking at Otani at pick seven. And he's like, Jay, I'm taking a different player at pick seven if I'm you. And so we have to, we have to fill in the blanks of, of who that would be. I think I know who he's, who he's talking about. So I think it's Austin Riley, but that being said, so what's Jake do at eleven? For the record, Jay and I have talked about this all year long. We undisputedly feel like, in no particular order, Acuna, Turner, Tucker, Soto, Guerrero, Otani, Machado, Bichette, Riley, Corbin Burns, and Garrett Cole are the top eleven. Yeah, we agree on that hundred percent. And then it, and then there's a little bit of a drop off. Jake is at 11. There's one of those players left, and that's Garrett Cole. Yeah, I don't think he's I know particularly he happy if that's... Take him, yeah. But I situation. think in this situation, I'm going to call it. I Jake's going to take Garrett Cole, trade him to me for future assets or something else, and go on with it. So Jake would, takes Garrett Cole at 11. Wouldn't be a bad move. Um, so here we are. It's pick 12, and I am Pokes. You're in, you are pokes picking for Bernois. Oh. Pokes does not have a pick okay. until round three. That's right. So, so, so this, this is, is Bernois picking pick. here, okay? Um, and, you know, maybe here I'd have to go, I'd have to look a little bit into uh, who are Bernois you know, keepers coming into this. Let's let's remind ourselves. Oh, no reminders needed. Oh, I mean, Freddie you've got Freeman, Freeman, Tatis, Devers, Corbin Carroll. I'm pretty sure I'm missing a hitter there. Oh, he has Trevor Story too, I, and I think he's going to end up cutting him yeah, because of his injury. Let him go. So, 
you know, this is tough. I think that, you know, for me, I think that Jacob deGrom is, is he's falling right now. He's currently yes. falling. Yes. There's, 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 uh, injury, you know, issues. I mean, let's not, let's call it, uh, you know, tweaks, um, that are happening already. I don't know if, I think it was his back. Yeah, yeah. Something with his back. There's always something. There's always something, right? And that's to be expected right now. You can't read too much into it, but it is concerning. Um, you so, think he's taking the ground? I will say this. If he does, Bartolos get the one team that could withstand taking a wild card in the first round. Because I think that he's had Degrom on his team before, and so you know he might know what it's like to to have to live through that and what that means. I so think we done. know what that means. You know, you have to be ready to put him on the IL. You know, he's he's that good when he's healthy. He is he has a, a potential to contribute like some of these other players that we just mentioned. So, man, I'm just I'm just. This is just me, okay? Because I don't, I don't know what he's gonna do. I'm passing up on Jacob Degrom, and and if I'm right there, I'm taking Aaron Nola. He is right below these guys in terms of he is an ace. He's like a, he's almost like a bona fide ace at this point. I mean, him and Kyle Wheeler kind of, Kyle Wheeler, Zach Wheeler kind of, kind of share that. Um, you know, I think they kind of share that role on the Phillies team, but they're both capable of that. That's the best I can come up with right now. That's who I'm taking. Okay. You're so. only falling like five picks in terms of ADP, and you're getting a top sec- a second round player in our league with Aaron Nola. Pitchers are starting to go off the board. So that brings us to pick 13. We're looking at pale skins. By the way, I want to identify what a great first round he had last year, picking up Aaron Judge and Mookie Betts. Wow. Kudos to him. That was. A good draft. Now and here we go into 2023. Yeah, so I think he's going to. Well, I think he would have loved to have had Aaron Nola at 13, but now that so Nola's off the board, he he'll consider Degrom. Mm-hmm. I think he will. Do you but have I, to? I, I don't know if this is where Degrom's going to go. Um. Other options here, we got Luis Robert Jr., you got Kyle Schwarber, you got Julio Urias, you got Xander Bogarts, mm-hmm. you got Zach Wheeler, mm-hmm. you know. This, this is what we're talking about, Jay, and I am illustrated after pick 11, there's a little bit of a drop-off and it gets kind of cloudy. Yeah, I think um, it could be your preference at this point. It's really, you know, I think that people have different valuations of Zach Wheeler. Um, you know, Zach Wheeler's dealt with injuries in the past. He's he's been healthy recently. He's thirty three years old, I believe. So you know, you're you're, you're talking about you're, you're taking a thirty three year old, but with with starting pitchers, if they can be durable, is that really a big problem? So Are we. So this is what we're gonna do. I was doing a little research. Are we gonna come back? Yes. Are we gonna? Paleskin is going back to back the well. Yeah. He's going to draft his player that was unkeepable last year, and he's going to re-pick up Luis Robert Jr. Pick 13. Okay, so it's pick 14. And this is actually, so is this funked up picking for this Eagle Ridge? Up picking for Eagle Ridge. Okay, and who did we say funked up just took 
with his. Well, do you other remember um, this is this was the, ten, he this was the Kyle Riley. Kyle Tucker trade though. That's right, why, right. That's why Eagle Bates doesn't have this pick, right? Because yes. he traded Kyle Tucker. Yeah, I and mean he traded for Kyle Tucker. You know, I, you can you can second guess yourself, but you know, you got to take it over the top, and that's what Luke mm-hmm. did. I don't he fault did. him. I think you know, yeah. you, you, it's like fifty fifty. Do you do you take a chance? Do you take your team over the top? The answer is you take your team over the top. You give yourself a chance to win it all, and that's what he did. And I know that he's. It's going to be tough around this time to to live with those with those results. You know what? Last year was the darkest, hardest fantasy baseball year I have ever had. Thankfully, I had another league that's new to me to kind of give me some life and everything. But man, this was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. But here we are. I'm back in the light of day with my reset. Not rebuild. Reset. <laughs> okay. So it's pick 14. I'm funked up. I'm picking for Eagle Ridge. So what am I looking at here? I've got Jacob DeGrom, Kyle Schwarber, Ozzy Albies, Julio Urias, Zach Wheeler. He picked we've, we've Riley at 10. He picked Riley, but we have he's got a lot of pitchers. I, I don't know what that means to him right now. I don't know what he... What that means to him. Did, has he kept Chris Sale or has he kept who, who's Kershaw? That? Right. So, I think he would, but so who is he keeping he out of those two? Have to. What are you expecting from Clayton Kershaw? This might be his last year in the yeah. majors. Is he gonna pitch 150 innings? I don't think so. Maybe 130. That seems to be the so, benchmark. Is there any reason to not take Jacob Degrom here? Honestly, I I don't. I don't think this could there be, is. This could be where the fall stops. It, yeah, I, I think it does because I, I don't I don't see how you, you don't take him there. And, it, and and honestly, if you got a guy like, you know, Chris Sale is hopefully going to be, like, healthy and, and pitch a lot of innings this year. But, I mean, if he keeps Kershaw, those guys would complement each other well because you're, you're talking – you're probably not going to have both of them healthy at any one time That's for true. any stretch of time. But they might complement each other well. So I'm going to take get Jacob DeGrom here. Okay. I think he's clear cut. You Wild know, card pit stat: Degrom, Kershaw, Sale to go along with uh, some other. I think that really suits him pieces. well. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It might be a little unbalanced in that way, but yeah, so it's what, a strength. That brings us to pick fifteen, and I know I've been picking the odds, but this is me because I acquired Burlos pick. Um, through a slew of trades last year, so I'm not going to call my pick, but who am I thinking at 15, Jay? This is tough. I think that you have... I came into this season not as high at all as you are were on Kyle Schwarber. I have come around... I know that, and I had Kyle Schwarber on one of my teams last year, and I, I so I, I feel like I know what what he's capable of, and I, I think he's capable of a better batting average than what he had. I mean, he batted like two shifts going away, shifts going away, which so helps I think that batting average is gonna. I mean, it's not gonna be what it was last season. Is he gonna hit as many home runs? I I mean, he's he is in a great position. How many home runs does he hit if say he hits two thirty? I think he's gonna hit forty. I don't I don't know how you can say that he's not going to get close to that again. Like why would you be down on his ability to do that? He's only gotten better from what I can see as a hitter at the plate. And in this era of a D juice ball, 
where home runs are not plentiful like they were, power hitters are like raw power hitters probably should be valued a little bit differently, you know. I'm going to say you're taking Kyle Schwarber here. I think that I was, you, I was waiting for the mic to drop and you, you just say some other random name. But. No, I, I think you're taking Kyle Schwarber here. I mean, I, I think that, you know, we'll talk about the next names on the board here in a second, but you're, I, I don't think you're, I don't think you're reaching for, I don't want to call it a reach, but I don't think you're going for some of these other names with that pick. So you're going to get as much hitting and power as you can muster out of that pick. And that's what that pick does for you. Good, good. And point. it fills left field. Which it does. A, it's, left, a, left field it's an important position if you want to be a winning team in this league. Who um, do you have at left field? I think that's a big question when you look at a roster that wants to win, wants to compete in this league. So that brings us to the end of this mock. We've got Stitches picking at 16, and there's a wealth of names here. Um, but I'm going to stay true to the true stitches style. He's got, he's, he's got to make a, got to make so he's a, he's picking uh, for backcountry here? Flair. Yeah. 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 Yep. So, so stitches, stitches, I think is looking at two players here that aren't ranked as high as a lot of people have them, but they have, Clear upside, and I think he's looking at Ozzy Albies and Wander Franco. I really do. Um, yeah, and looking, he's got a little bit of flexibility with his keepers, so I think he can go either way. But I really think he's going Wander Franco here for the upside. I really do. Um, at some I, point, you've got to ask yourself. I mean, that Wander Franco could go anywhere from sixteen to you know twenty six in this draft. I mean, it's just a matter of so where you're saying your Wander Franco would not go past you at twenty six if he fell. Don't think so. Okay, for the record, <laughs> not sure how you could even if I already had a shortstop, how could you pass up on that and go on to who are you gonna take over him? So this has been I guess fun, if you guys. Had to pick so, between him and Tim Anderson, that's kind of a tough because um, you need you. You're like you need now. Like okay. I need somebody. So to contribute you start now, this so. podcast off talking about Tim Anderson. You interrupt. I, uh, you, you, <laughs> I think you've got a little bit of FOMO going on there. I've got Tim a little Anderson. bit of a man crush on Tim Anderson. Okay, and I I think that there's been a lot of just to get broad for a second. The guy has. People, you know, why did Josh Donaldson want to pick on him and, and make fun of him a little bit? Well, it was because of what he said in an interview, right? They, he compared himself to Jackie Robinson in an interview, and then there was this banter between him and Josh Donaldson, and Tim Anderson took it the wrong way. I mean, he, he kept saying it over and over, calling him Jackie out on the field, and Tim Anderson eventually was like, all right, buddy, that's it. Well, yeah. He shut it down. And it, it turned yeah. into a, did the benches clear? I think the bench is cleared. I mean, eventually. In, but the guy is, and he said things in the past about um, just the, the sport of baseball that some of the fans didn't like to hear. But the guy has not stopped performing. And if he can be healthy. We're going to stop short of getting into politics here about what people say <laughs> off the field of baseball because we're covering it's for fantasy another baseball episode. And we are not another episode. It's, it's, we're not we're not going there. So we this has been fun, Jay. I think we should end with like just a minute. 
Okay. Um, give me one name uh, to wrap this show up. Players that we can't quit is what I like to call this. I'll, I'll start off. Okay. I got one name. Okay. I can come up with more, but we've gone a little long, so I'm, I'm going to leave it this. Uh, JT Brubaker. I cannot quit him. Man. Love that name. He's just – he plays for a, a dog shit team, but and, and his ratios are radar. very good. But he consistently throws about a, a strikeout per inning. And he's solid for 150-plus innings. He's kind of a kitchen sink pitcher. Mm-hmm. And he throws a little bit of everything um, with just a little bit of improved control. Yeah, that's what I, I was going to ask you. What he could be a top to do? What does he have to do to get player? those ratios down? What does he have to do? Play for a better well, it team. It would help if he played for a better team. I agree with you. That's a great name. That's a player I cannot quit. Oh, How about I don't blame you, Jim? Okay, uh, so... Who's my guy that I can't quit? You know who it is. It, it's Ryan McMahon. I can't quit until I know that this is the most that we're going to get from Ryan McMahon because everyone's waiting and wondering, is he going to take it over the top? Is he going to is he gonna do what some of us have, have wanted him to do, expected him to do? Ryan McMahon was a keeper going into last season on Rosie's team, on, on Italian Hitman's team. Um, he he will be in the draft this year, you know, um, and he he's going somewhere. What he's going in like he's going after two hundred in, yeah. in ADP. Oh, I just yeah. broke your pen right at the end there. You're good, man. Um, you know he's going after two hundred in ADPs right now, somewhere at two two hundred to two twenties. I can't quit Ryan McMahon until I know that. It, and and I think that from what I've seen, I test is that. I don't think a lot of the skills have like diminished. There's nothing diminishing. I think his ability to um, like situationally hit and hit in a good lineup in the right spot in a good lineup. And you're talking about a guy with top 100 to 150, you know, potential with all the, the offensive stats. Can't quit. So can't quit Ryan McMahon. I think we're going to sign off there, guys. I hope you've enjoyed this. I know we've gone long. We'll try this again in future episodes if they get uh, good ratings. And uh, we'll try to keep this closer to an hour. But thanks for listening, guys. We're going to sign off here. I'm Jason. I'm Jay. And this is the Fantasy Baseball Advocates. Thank you for your time. Be well.